welcome back to the She Uncensored podcast. I hope that you're doing well. How are we feeling this week? Where are you at right now? I hope that wherever you are, however you feel, that you can take the next half an hour or so with me. Take some time for yourself. As I've mentioned before, the last couple of weeks I have been on a huge mission to purge myself of possessions. Being in lockdown has meant that I have really had time and space to consider the amount of stuff that I have in my house and realizing that actually I have far too much. So for the past month or so, I have slowly been getting rid of, putting into piles, preparing to give away a lot of things. My spare bedroom is full. And as I'm clearing away, I realise that a lot of the stuff that I'm clearing away is stuff that I've actually bought quite recently. And it was bought on the cusp of lockdown being imminent and working from home. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact, as I've mentioned before, that when I want to check out, when I'm struggling with something, my immediate reaction is to go shopping, is to consume, is to buy. And I was clearing out some of my books today. (laughs) I have a lot of books. As you know by now, if you've been with this podcast from the beginning, there is always a book that I'm reading. I love to read. And actually through the course of the last couple of weeks and getting rid of some of my belongings, I've realized that actually I'd really like to invest my money not in clothes, not in little trinkets for the house or anything like that. I really want to invest my money in books because that's something that I genuinely enjoy. I learn from it, I grow. So I'm sorting through my books, trying to figure out which ones I should get rid of and which ones I'd like to keep. One of the ones that I very nearly got rid of was one of my favorite books, which is by Oscar Wilde, and it's The Picture of Dorian Gray. I couldn't quite let that one go. <laughs> it It's a book that means a lot to me because I read it when I was in a particular turning point in my life and I would actually say that that book helped me through that in some bizarre way. It helped me through and helped me realise a lot of things and brought things into perspective for me. Oscar Wilde is one of my favourite authors. Some of the things that I've read that he's written have just really resonated with me and One of my favourite things that he ever wrote was De Profundis, which he wrote when he was in Reading Jail. It's a very raw glimpse into someone who is coming to terms with their own humanity. One of the habits that I have is whenever I read a book, I always have a highlighter next to me because I'm always ready to highlight little bits of wisdom as I fall upon them. And this book is no different. It has a lot of highlighted pages. And one of the quotes that I highlighted was this. For these treasures and everything that he collected in his lovely house were to be to him means of forgetfulness. Modes by which he could escape for a season from the fear that seemed to him at times to be almost too great to be born. For these treasures were to be to him means of forgetfulness. Modes by which he could escape for a season. Now it may not be fear that I am running away from although sometimes it might be. But there is definitely something to be said about all these possessions that I 
picked up and thought, why have I got this? Because they were to me a means of escape. I guess there are times where I feel something that is incredibly uncomfortable and because it feels too much, I turn away. You know, I talk about feeling your feelings and it's a fucking difficult thing to do because I guess when we feel the full weight of the emotion within us, we change. When we engage with the levels of grief or pain or anger or discomfort, we know that on the other side of that wrestling with that emotion is change and sometimes we resist that change because even though our pain or our anger or discomfort or whatever we're dealing with at the time is difficult, we've already made a map of it, it's already familiar to us and what is on the other side of that feeling is unfamiliar territory and we don't know what that is. So I think that's the reason why I personally sometimes fail to engage with those more difficult emotions. So what I do is I numb. I choose to stick a proverbial plaster on what I'm feeling in order to dis distract myself from that feeling. Because to feel something so deeply and something that shakes our very core is a call to action. And it always begins with this breaking open, a shattering, a falling to our knees. I feel like when I am in control of my circumstances, so for example, I perhaps apply for a job, I can brace myself against rejection before it happens by bearing in mind that I might not be successful. This is just a very brief example. And I think sometimes we feel by preparing for an emotion that we can protect ourselves from the impact of that emotion. But honestly, how many times does that genuinely work? In the history of preparing for difficult feelings, has it ever lessened the impact? <laughs> if anything, we're elongating that experience of that emotion because we're already living in it before anything has actually happened. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so as I was saying, when I don't want to feel, I will numb. I will shop. I will hang out with friends to distract me. Sometimes the things that are most socially acceptable are the things that we do to stop feeling something else, right? We're running away. We're actively moving away from embracing that feeling. And this takes shape in many, many forms. We exercise, we eat, we party, we do anything to distract. So when I look at all the stuff I've accumulated or perhaps all the things that I do to run away. Sometimes physically, I'm a runner. I physically can move away if I've had a particularly bad day. I'm li literally running away instead of just facing it head on and really wrestling with how I feel and what's upset me and why I feel the way I do and really sitting with myself to unpick the truth within that emotion and what's underpinning it. I think one of the bravest things that we will ever learn to do is dare ourselves to feel the full weight of the human spectrum of emotions. And sometimes I feel like these emotional reactions that we have is life extending their hand to do more, to be more. Because in engaging with those difficult emotions within ourselves, that becomes a bridge 
to helping other people engage with those emotions, right? That's how empathy forms. First, we must empathize with ourselves and where we're at to really understand what is going on within our hearts and within our minds. And I definitely think that our ability to engage with some of these difficult emotions is a proverbial kicking out of the cage of our comfort zones. Sometimes moving outside of your comfort zone is less of an outward action that can be visible and more of an inward change of heart, more of an inward introspective examination of where we're at and where we need to evolve in order to have more of an impact on the world around us. And that level of introspective examination will always have external results that will be visible to other people always it could be something big or it could just simply be emerging from that with a little bit more confidence being a little bit more outspoken being a little more yourself whatever it is what happens on the inside will almost always translate to outward action and it begins with just being honest with yourself and where you're at and not buying the things to run away from how you feel there was one point in this journey which started actually quite a few years ago. Myself and my friend were talking about it when I first minimized my wardrobe. My wardrobe was jam-fucking-packed full of clothes. I would go out every weekend and buy so many new things to wear. And it was simply because I was in a place in life that I wasn't enjoying, that was incredibly uncomfortable, that I needed to break out of desperately. But I kept denying myself the opportunity to do so because I was scared. I didn't know what was on the other side. I didn't want to let go. I looked at all these clothes in my wardrobe and every piece of clothing, I could assign an emotion to it almost. I could remember how I was feeling when I bought it. And the only reason why I was buying all these clothes was to cheer myself up. But actually, it was making me more miserable in the long run because I would spend money that I didn't have on clothes that I didn't necessarily need. I would wear them once at most and then I would worry about money and then because I was worrying about money and I felt really sad, I'd go out and buy clothes that I would wear once and blah, blah, blah. You see how the cycle, it was just this endless cycle I couldn't break out of until I actually woke up one morning and thought, I'm just getting stressed out looking at everything on this rail because it's just another decision to make when right now I don't need all these decisions to make because I feel overwhelmed with decisions I have to make and the decision that I'm running away from. I hope this is making sense. I mean, you're probably sat there thinking it's just a fucking wardrobe grow up, but for me it was something more and I think that anyone who uses spending power as a means of feeling in control of your life, then perhaps you'll be able to relate to this on some level. I'm not saying that all shopping sprees are inherently sinful, absolutely not. There is a lot to be said for a bit of retail therapy after a busy day, but again, it's all about the real intentions. Are you buying because you genuinely want something or are you buying because you're avoiding something? And for me, it was definitely an act of avoidance. One of my favorite quotes is by Elizabeth Gilbert and it comes from her book, Eat, Pray, Love. And it says, when I get lonely these days, I think, so be lonely, Liz. Learn your way around loneliness. Make a map of it. 
sit with it for once in your life. Welcome to the human experience. And that can be applied to loneliness, to grief, to anger, to a loss of hope, to rejection, to all those really difficult things that we experience in life. You know what? You've got an opportunity when you feel it to really sit with it, to learn how it feels because we all know that life will take us up and down and up and down and twist us round and round and the emotions that we feel one day are likely going to come back round again. So the sooner that we can learn how something feels, the less intimidating it's going to be and I think that in the long run we learn that we can survive this and if we can survive this, then we can survive the next thing that comes. One of the things that I've really recognized is that when I fail to engage with my small everyday feelings, I essentially numb myself to the bigger things that are going on and the stuff that really matters because I'm already trying to push something down that I don't want to feel. So anything else that comes on top of that, immediately it's no, I don't want to, I'm not, I can't, I'm sorry. So I think that when we take that small step of courage to even paddle in the shores of ourselves, that is a huge, huge step in becoming stronger and becoming more resilient. Because to feel anything at all means that you're alive and you're human. And I think that even if you're not feeling anything, in some weird way that's feeling something. If you say to yourself, I feel numb, you feel, you feel the numbness and you're aware of it. So that is something. And I think that every time that we run away from ourselves, we lose the opportunity to deep dive into humanity and we miss out and rob ourselves of the ability to understand compassion, compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. There's a wonderful quote by Pema Chodron, which states, Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And so what I recognize in my own life is that I'm so busy sometimes avoiding my own uncomfortable feelings that I fail to see other people. And I mean, take the time to really see them. If I'm so consumed with avoiding my own discomfort, that's all that's gonna be on my mind, which is ironic, right? Essentially, we build bridges to each other through shared experiences and That's an idea that I'm going to come back to later in this episode, but right now I want to propose the idea to you that what if pain or that emotion that you're feeling was never supposed to crush you, but was supposed to stretch you? When I go for a run and I come back for a warm down, I am the most inflexible person ever. I'm shocked sometimes at how immovable I am in my body and I know that if I do not combat it now it is going to cost so much of my health later on in life and it's going to bring a lot of difficulties to me 
when I do come back from a run, I do make a conscious effort to do some of those yoga moves that I know will benefit me the most in terms of my legs. And one of those moves is called sleeping swan. I don't know the official word for that yoga move. It hurts. <laughs> but one thing that my yoga teacher said that changed my perspective on things was that when we do new yoga moves that our bodies are not used to doing or those muscles are not used to being stretched, what the brain does is that it interprets it first and foremost as pain. When really we need to stop and sit back and think, okay, is this genuine pain or is it just immense discomfort? Because pain, when we feel pain, we stop in our tracks. And there are some situations in life which can do that, absolutely. And they, sometimes they make us stop for a moment and sometimes they can make us stop for a long time. But if we are experiencing a pain that comes in the form of something every day, like rejection or sadness that perhaps something didn't go as planned, something that you'd invested a lot of time in, anger at someone else, or a situation, we can sometimes interpret that as pain, when actually it could simply be discomfort. And what if that moment is life reaching out its hand and saying, let's use this. Let's use this moment to grow. I heard something once that changed my perspective and it was simply a throwaway comment and the trainer said to me, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, are you being called to deepen or expand? I was like, wow, fuck. Okay, you got my attention there. That is priceless. And as I started to think about this, it just makes sense. What if these discomfort moments, these painful moments, these challenging moments that arise in our lives, what if they are a calling to deepen or expand? What if those challenging emotions are calling you to further your knowledge about something? If you see something that you don't like in the world and you feel that anger that craves for justice and you don't know where to start, maybe that's your calling to deepen your knowledge. Because in deepening your knowledge, you are able to then expand. Remember what I said earlier about having that inward change can cause the outward to change as well. Sometimes that's what happens when we face these challenging moments. We can deepen our knowledge of something or we can deepen our understanding of something or our awareness of something. We can go out there and seek the knowledge, we can talk to people, we can connect with people. And then from that deepening through really strengthening our roots in that topic, we then are able to expand outwards. Think of a tree. The tree cannot grow big and tall and have these wide, far-reaching branches if there is no root to sustain it. You need the root to sustain it. So there are gonna be times where we feel these emotions and we are called to deepen. And then there's gonna be other times where we encounter them again and it's to expand. And perhaps we encounter them in other people and we say, hey, I've been there. Let me share with you what I know. And I don't think for one minute that these two are mutually exclusive. I think that they are in relationship with each other. They have their time and they have their season. 
sometimes they occur at the same time <laughs> because sometimes life is like that and there's no other choice. You have to both deepen and expand. But they are together and they are in relationship together. And I think we owe it to ourselves to figure out what each moment calls for. And what happens is as we learn to sit with our emotions, as we learn to deepen our knowledge of things, perhaps we start consuming books, we start watching things, or we start listening to things, or we pick up on things around us that bring some sense to what we feel. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel things and I don't know what that feeling is. And then I'll read something and suddenly what I've been feeling has been written on a page and I can see it and it resonates with me. At the end of some of these episodes I've done, I've always said, if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, then discard it. And when I talk about resonating, I mean that it's not just something we agree with in our minds. It's not something that adds to our comfort, but it's something that really hits us deep. It echoes in our soul that that applies to us. And that's truth. And it's simultaneously uncomfortable sometimes to read things like that but it's also a breaking open that allows us to fully understand ourselves and other people and the world so it's good to sit with our feelings long enough to keep deepening our knowledge of things until we have the words to express which takes time takes patience takes connecting with other people and new ideas that may challenge where we're at but again it's all about breaking out of that comfort zone it's all about understanding new ways of seeing the world and understanding yourself and this is where I really want to drive home to you that as you sit with your emotions as you come to terms with the things that you're feeling being able to put those feelings in words is helpful not just for yourself, but also for other people. Because you have a voice. No matter how small you think it is, no matter how insignificant you believe it is, let me break that for you now. You have a voice. You are not just a blip on the radar. We need to hear your story. If you are in a position where you are feeling like, yeah, I'm ready to share how I got here right now in this moment, then please speak. Tell us what it was like for you. Tell us how you overcame. Tell us what you learned. Tell us the mistakes you made. Tell us about everything that you went through. Because only in sharing our struggles can we share in our victories together. Your story is the unique narrative of how you got here, of why you have the beliefs that you do. And sharing that story can help and support other people what you stumbled across during that journey, the people that you spoke to, the things that you consumed, there were going to be moments where you heard something and thought, shit, me too, I get that. And your feelings and your experiences were validated and backed up by someone else. Because you're not alone. We aren't alone. There are so many things that we share. But we're failing to listen to each other. When someone decides to tell you their story, no matter how 
little they may share or how much they may share, they're still deciding to let you into an aspect of their life which will shed light on who they are and how they are and how they came to be in the world. That is a fucking privilege. Do not ever think lightly of that. And don't ever think lightly when you share your story either. What you say can completely validate someone else's experiences. And I say this from a personal place because there have been things that I have felt over the last couple of years. There are things that I have had to unlearn. And during the course of that unlearning and relearning and the whole journey of everything, there have been moments where I've picked up a book and someone has said something and within a couple of sentences, they have validated something that I have felt for years and they have put into words what I could never do. That is how powerful your story is. What becomes harder is when you speak your truth and your story to power. When I say speak to power, I mean that you tell your story to those in charge, those policy makers. And they come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and crop up in all kinds of institutions. And when you tell your story to those people, speaking up for anything that means something is hard. But when it directly challenges someone else's beliefs or their comfort, it's harder. There is backlash. Of course there is. Telling your story is part of an ongoing conversation. Your story does not invalidate anyone else's experiences in the same way that their story does not invalidate yours. You just have different experiences. I think that we need to be open to understanding life as an ongoing conversation of learning of challenging, of listening, 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 listening to each other's stories. And the beautiful thing is, is that when we start to speak and tell our stories, other people are invited into that because speaking your truth and telling your story will lead others to speak theirs. In telling your story, it helps others make sense of their own. And when something resonates with us deeply, sometimes it is like, a life raft in a storm that you cling on to because you know that this truth will guide you through. That's how powerful your words are. But like I said, it's not talking down to people. It's not saying that my experiences are better than yours or your experiences are better than mine. It's not about invalidating others. It's simply about exchanging, recognizing where the gaps are in our understanding of things, recognizing where we need to further deepen so that we can expand. It's viewing our story through someone else's lens sometimes. And because of that, we need to be open to evolution. I think that time doesn't heal. What I think time does is that it gives us space to mature, to expand, to gain new knowledge. And with that, our perspectives change. Truth, I don't think, is solid. And I talk a lot about living your truth and speaking your truth. But I think that truth needs to be given grace to evolve and transform as we evolve and we transform. If I am going to leave you with anything this week, it is going to be this. When you are in a place where you feel ready, and you'll know when you're ready, because only you can decide that. When you are in a position where you feel like you know what you've been through, and you have the words to verbalize your personal experiences, please speak up and tell us your story. Tell us of how you got here. Give us new understandings about the world. And when you get the opportunity to listen to someone else's story, do so. 
knowing that that is sacred, sacred ground. And it is a bloody honour to hear and to experience that and to be trusted with that. I hope that this episode has resonated with you. If it has, take it, run with it. If it hasn't, discard it. I hope that you go on and have a brilliant day, a brilliant week, wherever you are and whatever you do. And I hope that you get to share your story or you get to hold someone as they share theirs. And as always, I will catch up with you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can find other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Anchor. You can also find us on Instagram at SheUncensored and online at www.sheuncensored.com.